Statistics Insider Football Podcast. Dan Claskins, James Adams, back here with you again. Man, we are continuing our dive into divisions with some fantasy previews. And in this episode, episode 39, it is the NFC East Fantasy Preview with looks at the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Commanders, and the Giants. If you're getting ready to participate in fantasy leagues this season, go over to insiderfootball.com. You can check out all the tools there to win, including the Fantastics Draft Advisor. We'll be using it heavily here in today's preview. You can get a free trial over there. You can get this podcast. Of course, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen as well. And James, I can't believe we're breezed through most of these divisions here now on the podcast. And for that matter, we're breezing right through the summer, my friend. Well, you know, I mean, when it gets this time of year, I mean, let's be honest, the older we get, the faster time goes. That's just been the case for everyone in the world. But when we get to this time of the year, we're busy with, uh, you know, our nine to five jobs that keep us going throughout the whole year. And then you start throwing in football. Now we get news that's coming out, not even, you know, every day, but throughout the course of the day, we get more news. So it is um, it is like we were on a never stopping treadmill as we run full, full bore to that week one that's uh it's not as far away as we think, um, oh or maybe it God. is. I don't know. I am it's starting like both. I, I got a very busy August schedule uh, with travel and different work things, and I'm starting to figure out draft dates and slotting them in. And I'm thanking the Lord I actually cut back a little bit this year because <laughs> I really have. I've cut out uh, s- at least six or seven of my season-long leagues, which uh, I'm just doing more best balls right now, so I don't really know the difference in the drafts and everything. But uh, it is definitely going to be fun and uh, looking forward to getting together with our friends and our friends family members, and whoever it is you draft against, especially those in-person drafts which and auctions or whatever that uh, that really, James, I mean, there's nothing better than the in-person draft. These online drafts are fun and sure they're convenient and we'll, we'll participate, but whether it's in your garage or at the local bar or maybe it's something like the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship where you know, we'll be here in Cincinnati or you're in the FFPC or one of these big high stakes ones out in Vegas. I mean, those events, those in-person drafts, it's as good as it gets, man. I haven't even figured out the draft order for my home league yet, but I've already filled in the, th- the first three spots of the board. Actually, the first four. It's going to go Chase, Higgins, Mixon, Burrow, I think, in my <laughs> my league. Now, that is one thing about the home leagues, right? Like, Evan McPherson say- <laughs> is going to be a second-round pick in that league, I think. Potentially, potentially. But I, I like you're talking about how in it I do love getting together with my buddies, but they know who all my sleepers are, right? We know who each other's sleepers are. I do look forward to getting into some of those like football guys online events where I'm like hoping to be drafted against a bunch of West Coasters that when I you know set up for a 3 o'clock or something – and uh, maybe get some of my local favorite players. But you're right. There is nothing that beats going to whether it's, you know, I, I, I think for my league personally, it probably starts in the bar and ends up in my garage. So it's both. But you're right. Getting together with those group of buddies. And that's where this all started. This didn't all start for me with, oh, I want to win a million dollars. It started with, hey, let's get together with my friends. I want to show them how I know football better than them. And yeah. uh, that's where it all started, right? their ass and yeah. talk some smack. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what it, fantasy is I mean, that's when it really the core of it, right? Is and uh, that's what makes those leagues great. And now there's all these different types of leagues. You're going to play in a lot of leagues, play in some different formats, mix mm-hmm. it up a little bit, try some new things. Uh, but you know, you always want to play within your means. It is a game of leisure. So that's correct. Uh, if you can't afford to play in that many leagues, that's cool too, man. Do what you can uh, with your money and time and what your resources you have available. And Regardless of the format, again, that's what's great about the Fantastics tool is we can plug them all in. And I love it because all my leagues from last year were already set up when I downloaded this year's version on my computer. And uh, James, 
Let's talk a little bit about the draft we just finished up here. The Scott Fishbowl 12. Uh, you and I both part of the Cincinnati, Ohio division there over in Conference 8. And man, there were a few hundred of these drafts. Uh, I was following into different parts on Twitter and on uh, you know, the just Scott Fish app over there. And none were like, my friend. And I, yeah, even me. I mean, going in with the wonky scoring and I mean, I want, we're not going to spend the whole podcast breaking down the Scott Fishbowl. You can check it out, scottfishbowl.com, to see all the scoring if you're not familiar with it. But the long story short, it's a super flex that really rewards uh, accurate quarterbacks that throw few interceptions heavily and uh, definitely puts some emphasis on the tight end premium with about as twice as many points for receptions as the other positions. So first downs are a thing. So you get a running back that owns a lot of their backfield carries that is valuable and you put all that in your brain and try to figure out what you're going to do in a draft it's like no other you participate in all summer it gets a little wonky but uh we took some stabs at it james your first taste of the scott fishbowl uh you know what was your thoughts on you know the whole experience so far well i was glad to have the uh draft advisor because i put all those in all those stats in my brain like you said and what came out was abstract art i didn't know what it was i guess it looked okay but um, it could have been done by a third grader because I was just not sure which direction to go. Um, and what's funny is I took Derrick Henry, right? We talked about him being uh, a guy who owns his backfield, assuming he's healthy and all this. Man, I started looking at the drafts that I could see. He was like a second, third round pick. He, he was like, my oh, first round man. pick, I think, in last year's Scott Fishbowl, which, by the way, I made it to the semifinals then before my dreams got crushed. So it didn't work, it didn't work out too bad. And Henry, of course, got hurt. hurt I, yeah. I still had that good team. and. I don't know when I, in these types of leagues, I definitely reach a little bit. Uh, you know, I want to get the players I want. I do like stacking. Uh, what I learned in my, you know, I played in the thing. This is my sixth draft. And I made the playoffs in three of the five and two of the years. My team was abysmal. Uh, and in one of my years, uh, it was literally, I think my greatest fantasy team I've ever had in any league and anywhere in my entire, you know, decades of playing, uh, but in each case, it, it all really boiled down to the playoffs because when you get down to it, uh, after these aren't just you know six teams in a playoff here and you squeak out a win. I mean, you have to basically survive the scoring cut of dozens and dozens of teams, and you need to be at full strength. Uh, and my teams were riddled by injuries, and I didn't have it in those cases. And the other element that I think, I mean, Frankly, in some cases, I wonder how many people even realized it, much less strategized around it. But the Scott Fishbowl, the playoffs started in like week 11 or 12. I can't remember off the top of my head, but in weeks 13 and 14, 25% of the NFL is in the league. So for me, as a guy that early on, I definitely want to get a stud quarterback. And I like stacking my stud quarterback with his receiver. Uh, you know, I, I definitely didn't want to have two players, my first four picks potentially, that were going to not even be there when I needed them most. So I actually, I purposely avoided it for the first six rounds, but as the team folded out, twenty-two rounds, I've got two play or three players total in those weeks, James. So, if I'm lucky enough to get there, I mean, injuries can happen too, but uh, all my cards will be in the deck, and I'm really l- hoping that strategy pays off. I'm hoping I get there. I won't have all my cards in the deck, but hey, there was no one to stack Aaron Rodgers with anyway. So, what the <laughs> heck? Um, and I didn't put as much weight into that. I've done that before in the KFFSC, which is a different animal because those playoff weeks are just divisional playoff weeks. But I've done that before too. And um, I've often found that I thought too much about the playoffs and to not be getting clear. It. I never took a guy that I didn't at least have in the same tier of it. Sure. Uh, but, you know, yeah. 
So anyway, I don't want to break down the Scott Fishbowl all 40 episodes. <laughs> we got a division to preview overall. Uh, you know, James and I both tweeting out our teams over there. You can check them out as well. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I play you week one. Uh, I do like my Dak Prescott CD lamb stack. I, I waited a long time on running back. So Akers and Dobbins, and that's not already looking good, are the two guys I really need to come through. But I don't know, dude. I got uh, late. I got Daniel Jones and uh, with Kadarius Tony. I think, I think in each of the years where I've had success, I've had a young quarterback that uh, in his breakout season. And not to say that Jones is all that young anymore, but I'm optimistic with Dable. That's an offense that, of, that you can get at a nice value that has a tremendous ceiling. I am very looking, very much looking forward to our week one upon our week one uh, matchup. Be wary of that Deshaun Watson Amari Cooper stack I've got coming at you. I know, I know. Well, or the problem is Deshaun I, I got to be playing. Yeah, I got Jacoby Brissett. I didn't want him with the scoring setup. I thought I about it and I didn't want him. I, I went with Garoppolo because I was liking that. Uh, I know, but with 22 but... rounds, any quarterback has value. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and I took him as QB 35 in, in round 19. It wasn't like I, but when I did take him, I was like, hmm, James, you might have taken him if he was still there in 20 round or 22 when you're plucking down other dudes i thought about it garoppolo was my qb4 and he was the last one I well saw. you got trey lance too so that makes sense i do not have oh trey no lance. no i'm sorry i'm looking at another team trevor lawrence is who i have yeah yeah all right well let's get on with that uh as we break down the nfc east four teams to talk about we're going to do it quickly for you here give you a little tease and uh right now if you like the podcast obviously you can subscribe anytime you want and of course catch us weekend mornings we're there all summer long over on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio Channel 87 the SXM app as well and James uh the Dallas Cowboys let's start there a team that's 12 and 5 a year ago and plenty of things to like about them from a fantasy perspective even heading into this season now they did lose some pieces in cogs both on the offensive line and on the skill positions themselves. But let's start by talking a little bit about the quarterback, Dak Prescott, and uh, the guy I took in the Scott Fishbowl. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Dak is a player that I'm enamored with. I still view him as a QB1 for sure. In the Scott Fishbowl, I was really loving the fact he's you know got over a 67% career completion percentage along with some of those big numbers. And since Moore took over as the coordinator on offense there, uh, that's Kellen Moore, Prescott has averaged a league high 303 passing yards with 76 TD passes in 37 games. That's seventh best among quarterbacks. And yeah, he's going to be working without Amari Cooper and Cedric Wilson. So I get the question marks there. Are there enough weapons still around? Will that offensive line hold up to allow Dak to have a chance to be a top five QB here in 2022? I think he can be. I mean, let's look back to the fact that he was a 12 quality start performer in week in 2019 and then he had three quality starts of his five games in 2020, so he came out busting uh, like gangbusters before he was injured, and he came back and really hit the ground running again last year. He had 10 quality starts out of his 16 games a year ago, so I don't know. I, I don't see any reason why Dak wouldn't still be considered a starting quarterback in all fantasy formats, and I think that he definitely has that upside. Is he going to run the ball a ton like you know some other guys? Not necessarily, but boy, he's shown to be a great passer, and you, th- you throw the numbers out there about the uh, offense willing to throw the ball. The question is, does he have the targets he had a year, two, three years ago? I'm not sure that we know that answer right now. Yeah, he certainly has the top five potential. I yes. think, I mean, you're not going to argue with any reasonable fantasy or NFL fan that's going to sit here and tell you that Dak can't be you know, pretty exceptional. 
But he also has a floor, and I think you hit the biggest con. I mean, with Cooper gone and Cedric Wilson, who was a viable option, a lot's going to be placed on C.D. Lamb. I know they signed James Washington, and that softens the loss a bit. And I'm really optimistic. We'll get to the other targets. I mean, Dalton Schultz, some other players. The offensive line in the fantastic software, still graded an A-plus despite losing Collins to the Bengals there. And, uh, I mean, the official fantastics projection. 4,538 yards, 608 attempts. Uh, You're looking at about 10 interceptions with his 32 touchdowns. 215 on the ground, a 68.8 completion percentage, which uh, really good for the Scott Fish Bowlers out Mm -hmm. there. 30 carries, 215 yards, two rushing touchdowns. I will say in the Fantastic's default scoring system that uh, as you open up the software here, which is they've has him projected actually outside the top 10, but the player notes uh, definitely indicating his top five upside. Yeah, and I'm right there with you. I mean, look, what kind of offense are they going to be? Because everybody loves their two running backs. Like with the departure of some receivers, will we see um, will we see more um, more passing or more running and less passing? We'll see about that. Um, I'm looking to set up where he's QB 11 uh, right there with yeah, Rogers. I, and yeah, Tom it's Brady. the fantastic. Uh, that's basically the default setting which I'm looking at now and. So, uh, and as I said, he rose up in my Scott Fishbowl projection inside the software, mainly because of the completions and minus one one for incompletions, half a point for completions. Uh, So anyway, as we look deeper at this passing offense, we mentioned all the weapons gone. Let's talk about the weapon that's still there and the guy that is soaring up the boards. I mean, he's going in pretty much the top 15 in just about every draft. I mean, definitely in the first two rounds. As a guy that, James, I mean, he has the potential. Talk about Prescott as a top-five quarterback. C.D. Lamb definitely is at the right point in his career. He could easily ascend as a top-five receiver, particularly with a lot more targets potentially being funneled his way. Yeah, last year he was one of those guys in dynasty leagues going top three at the receiver position. And he pretty much came came through with that 1,100 yards solid. His quality starts were not great. That's something we've seen with the Cowboys, though. We saw it with Amari Cooper, the up-and-down nature. Maybe that's where Dak's going to feed him when he's open and not, so maybe he's a little bit more boom or bust than some of these top eight type of receivers. But now he's also going to be featured, I think, even more so than we saw a year ago. So, I mean, CeeDee Lamb, I can't find a whole lot of negatives. The guy plays pretty much every game so far in his career. We saw a great leap from a really good rookie year to a second year. Will he find the end zone double digit times? I don't know. I think that's what keeps him maybe from being what some folks would call a top five receiver, but he's a, he's an R wide receiver one. No question. Yeah. I think what the biggest boost he's going to get in targets with Cooper gone is in inside that red zone. And that is where I think his fantasy growth can come. I mean, he's been underutilized in that area. I think for a size inside the 10 last year, they only threw five passes his way. Two of those were uh, completions, but you know, five more teammates than him had more red zone catches on the field. I mean, he shouldn't be sixth in the Dallas Cowboys in red zone catches. That will change this year if he stays healthy. I promise you that. Uh, yes. And the other thing, uh, the other player in here that's really interesting to me, Dalton Schultz at tight end. I mean, he, I don't know. I mean, I've seen in some drafts he goes earlier than others, and he's not a guy I'm going to reach for. But at his current ADP, he is attractive because of, you know, a larger role in the offense this year coming off of there. And uh, he's clearly got good rapport with Dak, and that matters. In their last 19 games together, Schultz, 93 receptions, 1,005 yards, 10 touchdowns. That averages out to about 4.9 catches for 53 yards per game. So 
Uh, Dak likes him. I like him. So I think Dalton Schultz, definitely, if you're not going to go after and pay one of those first few round tight ends, that second tier of tight end, James, I think I think he might be the guy I prefer. Not to say I'm shying away from some of the others, but I, I think Schultz is has the highest floor of tier two. I'd say that. Because we, we bypass Michael Gallup. Is he going to be ready to go week one? Unlikely. I don't know that for sure, but yeah. we'll see. I, I was going to get to the receivers, but you're right. That's a big question mark, I think. Well, I think that's what's that's I think that's very poignant to the Dalton Schultz conversation. Because at first during this this best ball season, I thought, man, he's being drafted way too early. And then I started thinking about I'm like, you know, Gallup's not not I mean, what are the odds of Gallup being ready to go week one? If he is, that's a medical miracle, really. It could happen. We'll see. Um, and then Cooper's gone. You mentioned Wilson even gone. So who's left? And this is a guy that was already featured in the well, offense did and had 800 James yards. Washington for near mm. near the league men. I mean, I'm not saying from a fantasy perspective that, but he'll get that, targets. I'm not saying that this is a guy that you should be looking at, but he definitely is going to run routes and he'll have games where he gets catches. Um, you know, he's a he's a that you know what he is. I mean, they signed him for a reason, which is a veteran presence. He got third rounder Jalen Tolbert there as well, and. I think Tolbert is uh, an interesting prospect, but before the draft here, I mean, as I'm ranking my receivers, I mean, it wasn't like he was that high up on my board, mm-hmm. but opportunity could knock for him, right? I mean, yeah. you're talking about a player here that the depth chart is in his favor. So he did run a 4.49 at the combine. I'm not going to act like I've watched a lot of stuff on the guy. I mean, he's from South Alabama, so you're not <laughs> didn't catch a lot of those games. I do know he no. dropped seven passes last year, and that's a, that's something that I circled on the player profiles as I was reading them this this draft season. So, I anybody that drops seven passes, uh, you know that that never really favors well for getting a lot of quick rookie production, James. I agree with that, yeah, because you're not going to earn the uh, trust of Dak Prescott if you're not catching balls. It was one thing when Jamar Chase wasn't catching balls last year in the preseason. He was a number five pick overall, so a little different scenario. Uh, Plus, Burrow already had his trust. I think the the real interesting thing for us to discuss with this Cowboys team is obviously the backfield. Yeah, buddy. Zeke Elliott, I mean, this is the time. I mean, are we fading Zeke Elliott? I mean, I don't know if I've ever flat out said that, but I can tell you that I don't have a lot of shares of him. In fact, James, I don't think I have him in a single draft I participated in this year outside of maybe a mock. You and I are much different. I still view him as a solid piece. I think he and Pollard can work hand in hand. People are talking about Pollard taking the job from him, and that's not going to happen. Um, I think Pollard can get plenty of workload, and Zeke can still be an Pollard's RB2. the better running back, though. That's the thing. I mean – it's, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't need to look at a lot of stats. And don't kid yourself. I mean, Zeke Elliott, is, I mean, the guy's already had an amazing career. If he can just have a couple more productive years, he's probably a Hall of Famer. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, that's a big statement. But either way. The, I like him as an RB, too. not that I don't respect him. But, I mean, dude, I'm looking at year-to-year stuff. And the decline is just eye-popping when you start looking at it. He's averaged fewer rushing yards every year. Uh, and you look at it, it's not just the yards, it's the big plays. He had 14 and 11 runs of 20-plus yards in those first two full seasons he's played. He's had three each in his last two seasons. Those big runs are gone. So he's a touchdown-dependent volume play that's losing volume to a younger, faster, better running back in Tony Pollard. So for me, yeah, if he's in round three and I'm screwed at running back, I guess – but I've already got my running back one at that point, and at that, and I'd rather take one of the round three receivers than a 
fading pros, uh, fading asset like Ezekiel Elliott. That's just me. I don't know. The price is right. I'll look at anybody, but Pollard's the guy I think is where the value is, is my whole point here. And I know that uh, there's some that will try. He's too, he's going too high in drafts for Zeke owners to handcuff him. That's not a vi- That's not a really good strategy. Yeah, I'm not handcuffing Pollard either. If I I have Pollard in some leagues, I, I think this is one of the backfields where I'm not afraid to take a stab at one side or the other. I'm not afraid of their divisional opponents. So I think that there there will be plenty of games where there's going to be more than 25 run plays, 30 run plays. If each of them catches a ball or two on top of that, they can both be reasonable fantasy uh, asp- options. I agree with you though. I'm not paying I'm not paying seventh round ADP for a handcuff. Um, sixth round ADP for a handcuff. I'm just not ready to the get statistics draft advisor. When in doubt, you may turn to the trusty source. And James, I mean, we already know the A plus offensive line grade, but when we look at the blended ADP sources versus the fantasy value, it's a two round value. We're saying basically, uh, the blended ADP is 6.10. We're saying it's a late fourth round fantasy value pick. Uh, on on Pollard, who is basically being projected as one of the top RB3s to take in fantasy, according to the software in these basic PPR leagues. Conversely, Ezekiel Elliott, we're also saying there's value on because of that blended ADP and guys like me that don't want anything to do with him. He's dropping down to 312, and the Fantastics Draft Advisor saying he's better more of a second-round pick. So it looks like the Draft Advisor, James, is saying we're both right. <laughs> Well, what a compromise. I will take the and I just, will take the Just Zeke when I shares. thought the tool would be the tiebreaker. There's no reason to tiebreak here. There's no reason to tiebreak here. Because, again, I mean, this NFL, the, the, the way the NFL is now, there's very few running backs but that dominate their backfield. So. You go back to, I mean, this is real life and real leagues. But, dude, you're talking about your hometown league where all the Bengals are going to go off the board in the first two rounds. I guarantee Ezekiel Elliott's drafted probably five or six spots higher than he should be in leagues like that. He probably will be because we are not far from Ohio State. There will be an Ohio State. Well, Captain, Ca- you know, Frozen Caveman. We'll be getting in our characters in Fantasy League. But, you know, they still think Zeke is in a, a top 10 running back, and he's not. And we agree to that. So I'm going to tell Jimbo he's called him that. <laughs> Let's move along to the next team on our list, a team that went 9-8 and eight a year ago in the Philadelphia Eagles. And lots of uh, improvements here as well, including landing a marquee receiver. Uh, among some off-season moves. And let's start there, James. I mean, A.J. Brown comes over from Tennessee, a run-first football team where he still was very much a productive fantasy producer. But now he comes to a Philadelphia team that also likes to run the football, maybe not quite as much as Tennessee. I think there's better passing game weapons all around here. But I know from our previous conversations, you really viewed it from a fantasy value perspective, a pretty lateral move for Brown. Absolutely. He goes from a place where they're going to run the ball a ton to a place where they're going to run the ball a ton. Um, I think it's a very much a lateral move. He goes to an offense where there's more weapons around him in the passing game than there were at Tennessee. I mean, you can't tell me Julio was a weapon that scared you last year. I wanted him to be, but he wasn't. So, yeah, I think it's a lateral move for A.J. Brown. I think he's still a solid receiver. But how many times is Hurts going to deliver the football? To him, how many times is Hertz going to tuck the, well, the that's football the thing. And run? That's the thing. I mean, Hertz has got to take a step forward for it all to work out. Because I mean, the guy only averaged 186 yards in his final 12 games last year, and only 10 touchdowns. Yeah, and I don't think that's going to change. I mean, I think the addition of AJ Brown is so much better for Jalen Hurts than it is for AJ Brown. 
So Brown, though, in terms of his, you know, what we're looking at, I mean, he averaged five point one catches, seventy five yards in uh in his last couple seasons there in Tennessee, seventeen touchdowns in twenty six games. So I think he can get to those numbers there, James. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. I I'm with you. I agree, but and I agree that it's basically a lateral move. So in terms of you know, where he falls in the tiers, AJ Brown. I don't really want him as my wide receiver one. No. I love him if he's my wide receiver two. I'm not even in love. I had, here's a player I have zero shares of so far right now. Um and I've I have plenty of Hurts shares and I'm yeah, not I mean love's a anybody. strong word. I mean I'm with you. I don't I know what you're saying, but I, I've found no matter what side I'm on, I have yet to find AJ Brown. The problem is he's going earlier than either of us wanted to take him. That's hundred percent right? true. I mean, I'm his, happy. Keep taking blend, him early. His blended ADP is in late round two right now. And the blended ADP again, just for newbies, is our software has all these various sources of ADP. So you can set it to the league site you're on, but we just use the blended ADPs and takes them all together and it updates all the time. But essentially, late second round, Fantastics is saying the guy's a late fourth round pick. So if you look at the top 20 or so receivers right now being drafted, according to the software, he's one of the biggest bust of them all, James. Two rounds less of value. I don't disagree with that, and he's missed a few games the last couple of years. I mean, I'm not ready to call him a deteriorating health player at 25 if I won't call that same thing to Zeke Elliott, but I just I just don't see any upside, and players that I've had the opportunity to draft around him, I've been much more excited about. I, I, I love I love the player note in here that you know is something to consider, and another reason Ryan Tannehill I took as my QB2 in the, in the Superflex Scott Fishbowl. Tannehill's a 66% completion rate, which is well above, you know, just slightly above, I should say, the league average. Hurts, he only completed 52% last year. It's insane. So what about Jalen Hurts as a fantasy asset, though? I mean, we're, we're knocking the dude's numbers, but the reality of it is, if he can just take a slight step forward in his passing game and do what come close to doing what he did on the ground last year, I mean, he has serious upside. You know, it's funny that he's a he's a player in some leagues I have no real interest in, in other leagues I have to have. Um, if it's six points for a passing touchdown, I'm less interested in Jalen Hurts. Um, if it's one of these leagues where 20 points for passing yard is a point versus 25, where those additional passing yards starts to rack up a little bit more and takes a little bit of the hit, the sting of his rushing yards away, I'm inclined to let him drop down the board. When we talked about Scott Fishbowl, I've seen some people boasting about their rosters having him in the first round, and I'm like, whoa, that completion percentage makes him a terrible pick. Of course, I don't say it to anybody to their face because I'm too nice for that, and I'm waiting until I'm holding the trophy. Unless I was doing it, you'd be like – Totally mocking me. Of course, but that's only to get even with you. So Jalen Hurts, to me, um, he's a player that I think has enormous upside. And so in one QB leagues, too, where I know something like um, Jameis Winston may well be available on waivers, I'm more intrigued with him because the upside, the the just boom scores are there. But I'm also worried about, you know, if teams start to shut down the running game a little bit, what will happen? Well, I don't expect I mean, it to happen, though. That's right. the addition of A.J. Brown. You can't do it all. You can't guard against the run. You can't guard against uh, him taking off at quarterback and lock down A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, and Devontae Smith. So something's got to get. And that's why I love Hurts this year, even though I, besides Dallas Goddard, really haven't gone after a lot of his targets. And I've only gone after Goddard when he falls to, like, tight end 10. Yeah. I mean – you saw him get beat up last year, and in the second half, it really played into it. Uh, he had that monster first half with seven quality starts out of eight games. 
And then in the second half of the season, James, just three quality starts in six games. But again, I think he was playing Hurts. So we shall see. We shall see. Hurts, in my eyes, is a viable QB1 in any format based off the rushing floor alone. I think his blended ADP of round six, um, you know, that's going to drop in higher stakes leagues and stuff, but it's more mid seventh round value. So, I'm not targeting Jalen Hurts, but I will. I will definitely. I already do have a couple best ball uh, shares, and I'll certainly uh, probably have him in at least one or so season long leagues before the dust settles. Same, same here. Let's talk about the running backs, and uh, I, I mean, obviously, I know we still didn't really get to any of the receivers or, or Goddard. So um, let's hold on the running backs. Let's talk about the rest of the passing game here. Dallas okay. Goddard, a guy you've always been a fan of, James. You've mm-hmm. got him. Sure. You got Devonte Smith. Nothing really else of interest to me. Let me hear your fantasy takes on each of those two um, targets here for Hertz. Smith, a great player, but I'm not sure that I want him in my starting lineup ever, right? I mean, it kind of is the same thing with A.J. Brown, only probably less projection of a high end um, from week to week. So Smith is a guy I only want to use in bye weeks um, just because of the nature of what we talked about Jalen Hurts and what he is. Dallas Goddard, I am ecstatic to get him at like tight end 10, you know, because he's in the same group as – you know, whether it's Waller, Kittle, who are a little bit ahead of him, but Hawkinson, Schultz, Ertz. And you know what? Let me just get whichever one falls to me there. And when it's Goddard, I'm happy to take him. I've never reached for him, and I've got him on a few few sites because I like where, you know, I like that tier just fine, and I'll take whoever I get from him. So Goddard is really the only eagle that I want to have in my starting lineup besides Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I think – I okay. I mean, that's – I, I mean, I'd definitely take A.J. Brown. I would start A.J. Brown as my wide receiver three and be stoked, but yeah. he's just not – you're not getting him as such. I understand. Uh, the running game, I mean, it's interesting to me. I'm with you. I, I I don't know if I'm enamored. I mean, Miles Sanders, if I totally wait on RB2 and get you know a hero running back theory and he's my round six RB, I mean, you're going to get somebody that's in that similar range. I mean, so they're all sort of the same, but – he he's I think he's worth looking at. I mean, he, he did show a few after Hertz actually got going and before Sanders got uh Miles Sanders got hurt again. He only played three full games and he ran for 120, 131, and 94 yards in those three weeks. So uh, Do you remember the games when he would get touches and the Eagles fans would go nuts because he was so underutilized? I mean, he'd get a carry for seven yards and there would be a standing ovation at the Eagles crowd. And that's my worry is will he get used enough? Yeah. I just worry about that. I do like Kenneth Gainwell. There's a there's a guy I've I've in a lot of best balls. He was also in my Scott Fishball. I mean, this is the this is the quintessential RB five type of player. I love. You're paying next to nothing. He looks like he's established himself as, at least as the third down back. He could supplant Sanders on the early downs in some cases, and we know Sanders is injury prone. I think Gainwell is better than Boston Scott. I know Scott's shown some flashes. Gainwell's just a better prospect, and he's better. He's so. For me, like if you're talking about any, I've, I already have Gainwell in a lot of places, and it's not like I'm telling you go out and get Kenny Gainwell. He's gonna like win you your league this year. But there's just certain dudes. There's things I like. I like a guy that's in a team that wants to run the football, likes to use multiple running backs, and he's pretty much the lead back in that third down role right now. So, and you know, Jalen Hurts, a running quarterback, does open up holes. So if any one of these guys, any one of these running backs, it gets you eight to ten touches a week, they might be able to do something with it. And I, so. Gainwell, definitely one of my sleepers in fantasy this season. We're talking NFC East here on the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast. Two teams down, two more to go. Dan Claskins and James Adams. And James, uh, 
the Washington football team no more. The Commanders are now the name, and I have yet to mess that up on air on Sirius XM Fantasy this season, but it's only a matter of time, I'm sure. Have we talked about them yet? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I haven't said the Redskins in like three years, so I'm pretty impressed with that. But I was sort of just getting used to the football team and having it grow on me, so now it's like, oh, that's something else. But I like I will the football say, team. They've gotten beat up over this name and logo, and I've seen it on Twitter. I was actually in D.C. that when it was right the week, like literally the same week they released it, like days after. So I, I got some real-time reaction up there. But I like it. I mean, I know I'm a revolutionary, uh, you know, revolutionary war and sort of history buff and the commanders. I'm thinking George Washington on the Potomac and everything there. And I sort of like it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I haven't said it enough, but uh, besides the name, some other new things this season in Washington, including at quarterback Carson Wentz. Is he an upgrade over what we had a year ago in D.C.? Well, do you mean the expectation that Ryan Fitzpatrick was going to be the quarterback or what, what ended we up actually happening at quarterback? Saw. We- yes, I think he absolutely is. Oh, by the way, I was watching Hurt Locker. My girlfriend had never seen it. We watched it last night. And when they go into one of the barracks, there was a Washington Redskins like plaque on the wall. And it really like I, I thought, oh, my God, I'm in a time machine. It was just weird. I don't know. I had to throw that out there. Um, I think Carson Wentz is an upgrade. I, I like Carson Wentz. You cannot discount the fact that it's team three in three years. And that's one thing when you're like Brandon Marshall, a, a Vega Bond receiver. It's another thing when you're a starting quarterback that's supposed to have the command of the entire offense, if not the entire team. There's got to be some question marks for a player moving to his third team in three years. But we also have to remember, this is a guy who not too long ago, what, 2019 or 2018, was on pace to be the MVP before he got injured. I mean, heck, he was driving my Kentucky fantasy football team to a second state championship before it was derailed. I'm telling you, Carson Wentz is being way underdrafted, not because I think he's going to be a superstar and he's the MVP, but there are leagues, we're in super flex leagues, and he's not even a QB2. He's clearly got the job locked up, which I don't know you can say for everyone else. Uh, Job security is in his favor. That's the one thing that you said that I'm in grants with. They're going to throw the ball more than they did in Indianapolis. Mm, maybe. They are. They maybe. are. But Their first round pick was Jahan Dotson. They're going to throw the football more than they did. They just signed Terry McLaurin. This isn't Pittman and nobody else who can stay I healthy. Know, dude. I'm just still visioning that end of the season game in Jacksonville, the icing and the bad. cake. I mean, you look at you know the Fantastic Draft Advisors, second half. The guy registered three quality starts, a subpar 12.2 fantasy points per game. He was around league average with six yards per completion. And once again, he showed his shortcomings with a negative 2.3 completion rate percentage. So more than it was expected, I should say. So the offense around him, yeah, they might throw more. Maybe. I, I'm not going to argue that, but it's not as good, I don't think. I mean, in fact, I mean, Jonathan Taylor alone and the offensive line alone. I mean, you're looking at Carson Wentz. He's got C's across the board. C-plus schedule, C-offensive line. We're projecting him for, you know, 3,385 yards, 25 touchdowns, seven picks, a 62% completion percentage. The problem is in fantasy, James, yeah, 204 yards and uh, is the projected here. So we're giving him a little bit on the ground, but I don't know. I don't know. I, is Carson Wentz good enough to still keep Terry McLaurin uh, relevant? Yeah. Yes. Is he an upgrade over Taylor Heineke? Yes. Is he a fantasy guy I want on my team? No, no. I'd rather there's two, so, there's two QB leagues. Yes. One QB league. Yeah, but no. even two QB leagues, dude. I think I'd rather take my chances with Jarrett golf, to be honest. 
Okay. That uh, we're, we're different there. Zach that's, Wilson. That's okay. Uh, definitely. Mac Jones all day long. Zach Wilson, I get. Mac Jones, I don't get. I'm just, but but I understand. That's fine. I mean, I'm. We're obviously not going to be the same on every player. Yeah, that's fine. You have Carson Wentz, and uh, you know I don't care. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> thank you, McLaurin. Clearly, I mean, you've already hinted on your high on him. Take us through these wideouts, and you know what your fantasy expectations are in 2022. Well, McLaurin has been a very solid receiver already in his young career. He's been over a thousand yards two years in a row and was really close the first year in 2019 when he stepped up in, in an offense that had no one. He became someone. McLaurin has not scored a ton of touchdowns in his career. That's what maybe keeps him in my mind from being a surefire wide receiver one to a guy. If you wait, he's a really low end wide receiver one, but it's fine if you build strength otherwhere or a wide receiver two if you've again already addressed that position. But here's the deal. I don't expect him. First of all, he plays just about every game, which is good. Um, and that's, you know, that's it's easier said for wide receivers. But he gets targets. He's had 120, 130 targets. Now, look, everything can change, right? It's going to be another quarterback. But he showed that he could continually be okay as the quarterback carousel worked around him. So if we have some consistency, I really like McLaurin as a guy who has wide receiver, high-end wide receiver to floor, as long as he stays healthy, if, with if, wide receiver one upside. If McLaurin would have been traded this offseason because the contract didn't work out, and let's say he goes to the Packers or the Chiefs, how high would you rank him? Not a whole lot higher because I already have him at wide receiver 12 and he wouldn't get into the top six. So the question is, does he become yeah, so more valuable already, than Keenan uh, Allen? I don't know. Does he become more valuable than Tyree Kill? I don't think so. So I, he doesn't move a ton for me because I already think a lot of You're already pretty high on him. He's averaged 5.1 yeah. catches, 68 yards, but only nine TDs in 32 games. Top 20 in catches and yards, but only 50th in scoring. He's been particularly ineffective inside the 10. And this... This, to me, is why I can't view him as a wide receiver one, because quarterback problems aside, he's only pulled in six of 17 career passes inside the 10, just two touchdowns in those passes. He's DJ Moore all over again, really, is what he is. Yeah. I mean, he does have the speed to do some long-range plays, and I think that's where it's at, but this is not the guy that the team gets inside the 10, and he's not, I mean, he's never going to, and that's, to me, if you're going to be a true wide receiver one that I want on my fantasy team, you know, I want some touchdowns. I want that double-digit touchdown upside, and I just don't see it with Terry McLaurin. And I, and so far, when I've had him on teams, it's it's in the third round as my wide receiver two, or my fourth round as my wide receiver two. And when guys like him are gone, that's when I turn to Ezekiel Elliott, who we were talking about earlier. Yeah, maybe the touchdown regression, you know, the positive, you know, towards the mean there is uh, mm -hmm. in his favor, and it's coming. But uh, until it starts, I'm not showing, sure it is. Nothing else there is really intriguing from a fantasy perspective. I mean, Curtis Samuel, he never even played last year. So I don't know how – last year at this time I was thinking, all right, Fitzpatrick's there, Samuel, maybe, you know, Ron Rivera reunion, maybe there's something to it. They did get, uh, as you mentioned, uh, a big boost with uh, Jahan Dotson there. And, um, you know, he's on the smaller side, but certainly a big playmaker there. We saw it at Penn State a little bit. And, you know, I think I think he's pretty much the lead guy to here to take over that wide receiver two role as a rookie. So there could be some instant fantasy worthy production, but that's about it, James, including at tight end. Uh, sorry, I'm done with the Logan Thomas, John Bates trial. I am more or less done with Logan Thomas as well. I mean, I, I think he's he's potentially if he comes back healthy, 
We've seen Carson Wentz work well with tight ends before. The Ertz Goddard Combat. Good gracious, I can't speak today. The Ertz Goddard combo from back in Philadelphia, he worked well with. So I'm not as done with Logan Thomas as you. He's not a tight end one by any stretch, though. Um, and he's not really in that group of tight end two that I'm looking for. But if I'm desperate, say, in a tight end premium league, I, I would take a flyer on him because at least we've seen it. And I think there's a room for him in the offense there. Everybody's down on Antonio Gibson coming into this season. I know the team has definitely brought in third rounder Brian Robinson and they're looking for that one-two punch. And I mean, Gibson, though, people got to remember. I mean, oh, this guy was a wide receiver in college. And I think, was. you know, sometimes people lose sight of that. And you look at what he's done so far in his NFL career. I mean, 61 rushing and 18 receiving yards per game in his first 30 starts, 21 touchdowns. Only six running backs have scored more touchdowns over the last two years, and only 11 have gained more total yards. But Dude, he's not going inside the top 20 running backs at any draft them in. What gives? I don't know. Wasn't he a first-round pick last year? Like, this is kind of your post-hype sleeper. I think people are worried about Wentz. People are worried about the direction of this franchise. They're worried about Brian Robinson, McKissick even taking some of the workload. But double-digit touchdowns two years in a row, how do you ignore that? He got over 1,000 yards. He still caught 42 balls last year. I don't understand what he did last year to make people feel so apprehensive think, about taking him this year. Well, they I think what it really has driven it is Rivera and company saying, "Hey, you know what? Uh we, we, we he's a former receiver. He's he's wearing down at the end of the season. We want to keep this guy to where he can make plays. They've they drafted a running back they plan to give touch to. You still got JD McKissick in on the passing downs, who by the way in PPR leagues is still very much worth a bench running back spot. And, you know, the, like I said, the rookie is a guy that, you know, a lot of us are taking late round stabs on. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really just it's a crappy team and it's got three people that are going to be getting touches. They know he wants less, but sometimes less is more, right? If you get a playmaker like Gibson, I'll tell you this, James. I mean, it's hard to find a running back uh, in the fantastic draft advisor that we project as a top 20 running back that offers about a round and a half of value over the ADP and our projected value. So. The blended ADP, 4.13, we got him at 307. That's a round and a half of value on Antonio Gibson. And if I wait around and end up with him as my RB2, yeah, I'm probably going to make sure I got an RB3 that's pretty hot too. But uh, I could end up being a league-winning move if you stock up on other positions ahead of him. I know it's not zero RB to make him your RB1, but if he's your RB1 and you load up and you get somebody reliable at RB2, it's not the worst thing in the world. I, Gibson's a player I have seen uh, – not that I was targeting before the year started, but he's ending up on a lot of my teams. I was hoping I is, was I was hoping to nab him in the Scott Fishbowl where I was waiting on running backs, and it just he just went just a little bit before I was uh, able to grab him. But uh, I definitely think you're right. If you're waiting on it, that is certainly a guy that has that upside to deliver big numbers. Yeah, I'm with you, but I do like Brian Robinson too, and I think so. Gibson's down my board from where I had him a year ago, but I think we talked about it. There's two receiving options. Gibson can get plenty of work in the passing game. I don't know that we'll see him in the slot, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him and Robinson on the field together. Not that I've heard anything indicating such. All right, let's wrap it up with a quick look at the New York Giants, and the biggest news there of the offseason is Brian Dable, the man that's uh, been there helping Josh Allen dominate in Buffalo. He comes in now, new head coach, what an upgrade in play calling, going from anybody over Jason Garrett, much less this guy. And I think it's going to spell big things for Daniel Jones. And this is a make-or-break season, basically, for him. Mm -hmm. Last year on his rookie contract. Um, so 
James, I, I, I know we've danced around Daniel Jones here a few times, but uh, he's definitely a guy that in these super flex QB two leagues that, you know, is that upside ceiling. I like in a QB two to go with a safe, steady uh, QB one. I mean, he's got everything around him, a future or a former number one overall pick running back who may well be healthy that can help him in the passing game too. a decent offensive line. Kenny Galladay wasn't a whole lot last year, but let's remember he was a highly sought after free agent. You've got Kadarius Tony, a first round pick. If he can stay healthy coming into his second year, um, there's a, there's other receivers in that room that may well still be worth something. If not to us fantasy managers, then to Daniel Jones and the Giants himself. He seems to have everything in place in a division I'm not that fond of defensively, where I think he has a chance to be very good. And oh, by the way, Daniel Jones runs the football, too. We talk about some of these guys with rushing floor. Um, He doesn't give you the 800 yards of rushing floor that we saw from a Jalen Hurts in this division a year ago. But after the the first couple of rushing quarterbacks, I mean, Daniel Jones could be fourth in the in, in rushing yards at the end of the season for quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they could see a lot of four receiver sets there with if they all stay healthy with Gallagher, yeah. Shepard, Slayton, Kadarius Tony, the guy that I think really could have a big breakout. He's got to stay healthy. He 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 had a lot of little dings last year that he, he was sidelined with. So if he can toughen up a little bit and this offense takes a step forward, there's a guy that could be a big boost for owners given his current ADP. And I do like uh, taking a late stab too with Sterling Shepard. Uh, if if you don't have any parts of the Giants' offense, he's sitting there in the you know last round or two of your draft. Um, when healthy, he's definitely displayed a PPR floor, and uh, we know that uh, the Giants also used a second round pick on Wondale Robinson, who's sort of uh, a smaller dude that's likely going to get some work in the slot. Kenny Galladay, I mean, those $54 million for three years. How glad are we, James, that he turned down the Bengals' $10 million one-year deal and they instead drafted Jamar Chase? Because they did make a run at Galladay, and I think the thought was if they landed him, they would then draft Panay Sewell. It's a lot of times where I'm like, yeah, I'm glad that girl didn't let me buy her a drink. Yeah. I'm glad this dude didn't let me buy him a drink. Let me tell you something right now. And I was I was really hoping to see him in stripes um, because, you know, I wanted Sewell. I didn't want Chase, and I was dead wrong, and I'm stoked about it. But I'm very happy yeah. that he plays for the New York Giants. Yeah. If Galladay can stay healthy, maybe. But he has. when's the last time he stayed healthy? I mean, it doesn't. he hasn't 2019? stayed 2019? It's been a while. Uh, the tight ends, nothing to speak of. I mean, Jordan Akins, Ricky Seals-Jones. We got plenty of tight end twos we like. Dayball. He doesn't really like the tight ends. I know Dawson Knox had some touchdown stuff there, but generally speaking, his uh, plays don't really lean on involving them too much. Uh, In terms of the running game, Saquon Barkley, last guy uh, we'll talk about here uh, at length on the program today. And uh, James, I mean, another guy. I mean, still so young, like a lot of other running backs that we've been talking about on the show and on the podcast. A lot of injury, durability concerns. But, man, if he's healthy and this offense takes a step forward, I mean, Saquon could easily get back into being RB1 here for fantasy owners. Overall RB1 is what he could get to, not an RB1. Overall RB1, which is what I think you were alluding to. And I think that's absolutely right. I mean, we know he can be a great pass-catching back as well as being a great running back. So, yeah, I'm very optimistic about Saquon Barkley. I think he's a guy that you don't necessarily call as one of your RB1s. But again, like I said about Gibson, if you were to address some positions earlier and get him, now you'd have to be what? Really early round three or late round two to get him. You'd be lucky to get him round three. But if you get him late round two as your RB1 when you started with, um, you know, maybe Cooper Cup or or something of that nature, 
that's a great one-two combo. I'm not upset with him uh, as my RB1 when, I, when I'm starting with a great receiver early. I think Saquon, look, Saquon's one of those guys I was looking for him to bounce back. Last year, running in the sand isn't the same as running against NFL defenses. Well, now we've got another offseason to see what he can be fully healthy. I think he's got as much upside as anybody on the board. Yeah, I'm right with you, brother. Uh, all in on that. I mean, if you're looking for a backup to Saquon, uh, they've got so many backups. Who knows what's going to emerge there? I'm not really uh, trying to handcuff him at all because it's unclear. Uh, I, you know, we, we shall see. That's one of those things we'll wait for in training camp. James, yeah. let's get to our futures bets, though, and wrap it up there like we've done all these division previews, starting with the division winners going off of DraftKings Sportsbook, the Cowboys are the favorites to win the NFC East in 2022. Once again, plus 125. $100 gets you 180 on the Eagles if they win the division, plus 500 for the Commanders, and plus 750 for the Giants. Which way would you go in this one? Would you believe this is the first division we will get to where I already have an active wager, so this isn't speculation, speculation, postulation. I would go with the Washington Commanders at plus 500. There's only four teams in this division. Nobody seems that good. I don't see – these were the division champs two years ago. Tell me why the Commanders at plus 500 aren't a good bet. If you're right with Wentz and they can get Chase Young healthy, I you know, for those odds, I can get behind it. Uh, for me, I mean, I don't – I mean, I, I'm, I do, I'm excited about the direction of the Giants, but I don't see them winning the division. So I probably wouldn't go on that one. I, I'm not as big on Washington, so I'd probably just lay it with the Cowboys because I still think they're the team to beat. And you're getting plus odds. Anytime you can take the favorite of, of the division and the plus odds, it is intriguing as well. So Sure. Uh, but let's look at the team markets in general and just the win totals and, and what have you. And let's start with that very team we're talking about there in the Dallas Cowboys and over under 10 and a half. It's plus 110 on the over under is minus 134. I'd go under. Yeah, a lot of people are apparently go under. that's the way it's going. I don't love that. I do like the Cowboys to win the division, but I think 10 and 7 gets the division. So Yeah. They're minus 240 to make the playoffs. No is plus 190. Feeling that at all? The NFC stinks. I've got to really get down. Like I need to get into who I think my three wild card teams are in this in this conference. Um, because plus one ninety at no, I don't know. The Cowboys are one of them teams that like to make it to the playoffs and then disappoint you. So I'd stay away from that. Yeah, uh, I don't really love any of that to be honest. I mean, if I had a pick, I'd go under the ten and a half, but I won't make any of those bets. Over and under nine and a half is the Eagles' win total minus one twenty five on the over, plus one oh three on the under. Uh, brutal number to make the playoffs is there. Will they make the playoffs is minus minus one fifty. No is plus one twenty three. There is nothing there that intrigues me. Nah. They are an eight and a half and eight and a half team, but if they get lucky, so I go under the nine and a half. I think that's the way I would lean, but it doesn't, I mean, I don't feel firm about nah, it. I hate those more than anything. I, there's not a single one of those that I'm like, Ugh, I wouldn't even touch with somebody else's loot. Let's go to the uh, the New York Giants. Uh, plus 260, yes, to make the playoffs. Minus 335 on the no. It's seven and a half. Over is plus 127. Under minus 155. Any of those bets I would touch. I think it's over seven and a half at plus 127, but I'm not going to make that wager. Nah, I, I do think they're going the right direction. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I'll be right around 500, I think, this year so. 
I think they got that about right, right? I mean, I'm yeah. not going to sit here and act like I love a bet just to love one. But so um, I think that one's pretty solid. And we'll wrap it up with the Commanders from Washington. Seven and a half over is minus 125 under plus 103 to make the playoffs plus 175 minus 220 on the no. We know you already bet them. So over seven and a half. Is that enough for you to lay the 125 on, James? I would just go ahead and bet the over eight and a half because it's plus 152. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I like them to win the division, and, and again, let me say, I like the, the five to one odds. But yeah, I mean, if I'm picking anything, go ahead and give me a little juice. Let me go over eight and a half here. Yeah, I can get, I, based off of how you've described feeling like, and that is a really smart way to bet it, based off of how you feel. So I'm Oof, with you on that. This must be the end of the show if you just called me smart. Well, you know, I like to make you feel good about yourself every now and then, James. It's like a birdie on 18, but you still shot 105. Yeah. Hey, when I go golfing, a birdie on any hole was a victory. So, <laughs> and that's in a foursome. Like, that's not even using all my balls. Uh, I understand. Anyway, that's all the time we've got on this episode. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can get us wherever you listen Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, as well as next time. We're going to break down the AFC North. You missed any of our other divisional previews. You can catch up on those on demand. And of course, James and I will be back on every weekend morning on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio Channel 87 with Fantastics Insider Football. Be sure to go over to Insider Football. Check out all the tools you need to win this year, including a Fantastics Draft Advisor. The touchdown package is ready there for you at a good discount. And you can download a free trial as well. James, been fun, my friend. Uh, I'll see you next time as we get into the AFC North. And I'm going to have to ask you just not to make it the Cincinnati Bengals Love Podcast next week. I was actually timing out the end of the show with when I should start the uh, Bengals fight song like we do on the SiriusXM show. So um, I think I've got it timed out for next time. There you have it. For now, uh, for James Adams, I'm Dan Claskins. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Fantastics Insider Football Podcast.